Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast on discussions on concussions. Today, we have a special guest, Taylor Vandersweet. Thank you so much for joining us, Taylor. And whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and share your story. So first, Rachel, thank you for having me. It's awesome to uh, get to speak about this. Um, So first, uh, my concussion journey kind of started in 2015. Um, I got in a car accident, so I got my first concussion there. Um, Healing time for that one, really, it didn't, you know, it wasn't too bad. I think about like four days, I didn't really feel myself. And then I was like, you know, ready to go again. It didn't really phase me. Torn up about the accident itself. So I feel like the concussion wasn't, you know, the top of my worries anyways. Um, And then um, I got my second concussion in 2017. Uh, This one's absolutely ridiculous. I was at a college party um, and someone decided to throw a full beer can across the room. Uh, It hit me on my right temple and exploded off my head. I still to this day don't know who threw it. So it was very frustrating (laughs) for me. Um, Yeah, so that one was bad. Um, That one I was in bed for two weeks. Um, I was good to go after that. But that one I definitely felt a bit more, you know, I needed to be in a dark room. Uh, headaches, a lot of headaches with that one, obviously. <laughs> it really hurt. Um, just craziness. So when I, when I tell people like concussion stories, they're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, car um, that makes sense. But then getting hit by a full beer can. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, number three, surprisingly, is just as silly. Um, so I was actually, this one happened at work. Um, I was moving an ashtray. Um, it's hard to explain it. Sometimes when I explain it, people look at me and they're like, oh, what is, what is she talking about? But pretty much they're like the bigger ashtrays that are in front of like commercial buildings. They have like a little hole for you to put your cigarette butt and then it goes down into this like big barrel. Yeah. Um, so we had had a retirement party at my work. I work in a surface mine, so we have to wear like full PPE all the time. Um, so what they had done was move this ashtray so that people could smoke during the party and didn't have to wear their hard hats and stuff. So the next day I was cleaning up and I decided to move that ashtray. So I kind of like bear hugged the base of it, um, walked like a hundred meters, not even. And when I went to set it down, I had the neck of it like resting on my shoulder. And when I went to set it down, the weight of the bottom just took the whole unit and dominoed it right into the back of my, that bone kind of right behind your ear. Um, And that rocked me. Like, I instantly felt for blood because I was like, okay, that hit hard. Um, But I didn't that day. I didn't think much of it. It it happened around 10 a.m. I worked the rest of the day. Um, By the time I got home, I was just like this aggravated, like, mess. My boyfriend was like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're all over the place. And I was like, I need ice. Like, my, my ear hurts and I'm tired. Like, I ended up getting into bed and I slept for, like, I don't know, 14 hours, which I know you're not supposed to really do after a concussion. Um, so yeah, I went to the doctors the next day after that. And uh, my doctor actually told me that I was fine. Um, and the only thing he told me was, uh, don't play any contact sports. So I was like, noted, but I'm gonna go. Oh my doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to note I just eye rolled when Taylor said that because, of course, family yep. doesn't say that. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, um, that I feel like that right from the get go kind of just put me in a weird headspace because I was like, you know, 
being at work, it was now a WSIB uh, claim as well, right? So um, my boss actually took me to that doctor's appointment. So she was right there when the doctor said, you know, she's fine, there's nothing wrong. Um, So that really messed things up from day one. Um, So yeah, it was tough. And I just remember, like, you know, at the beginning, I was like, Oh, it's only going to be two weeks, it's only going to be two weeks, you know, and I just kept waiting. And another week would pass by, and I was still feeling the same, like I was just completely dizzy. And just it felt this whole side of my head was just like my left side, sorry, I'm, I'm acting it out. Um, my left side of my head, just from like my temple around down to my ear, um, just felt completely like this foreign part of my body that didn't really like, you know, it didn't blend. Like every time I stood up, I was like, okay, this is, you know, <laughs> horrible. Yeah. Wild story. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. you told me that my jaw was just dropping like what <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness um, yeah. of course that makes it messier that it happened at work yeah um and I feel definitely in my personal concussion journey of healing that has been something that has also held me back um you know they tell you when you have a concussion to just do nothing and not stress and just literally turn off everything. But for me, it was like I was constantly waiting to be better because I had people constantly pushing me. And I think that pressure that I put on myself made it harder in the long run. Well, I mean, I was putting pressure on myself because people were putting pressure on me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was tough. And I ended up being off work for I was off work for a month and a half. I ended up going back to work in July and I wasn't ready at all. I was not okay still. Um, I was having migraines that I couldn't even, I still have migraines where I, if I have them, I cannot stand up out of bed because the throbbing is like, I'm sure you can relate is so bad. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting pushed back to work. I think it was July 20th. Um, so I'm still only working 16 hour weeks. Um, so it's been, yeah, a year and almost three months that I've been being pushed back to work. Um, I guess I should give some background on what I do for my job. I'm a quality control technician in an aggregate pit. So literally, I work in a surface mine. So it's all heavy equipment, all heavy vibratory uh, machines. Um, I'm lifting, you know, 50 pounds a day constantly, repetitive noise, shaking. Um, so I literally, I can't, I can't do the job. And They've had they have had me in a storage room for the past year in a shop, um, trying to you know get through it and get back to my job. But it's a journey. <laughs> this sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it has been a nightmare. I will Ooh, tell you. Gosh, I can't imagine doing that type of job with post concussion syndrome. Yeah, and it's like you know with WSIB, like they are just like what's wrong with you? Why can't you work? Like, I don't feel like they really understand the nature of my work, mm-hmm. um, which makes it very tough because the nature of my work is probably the opposite thing you would ever expect anyone to be doing after having a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of times where I just kind of have to sit back and I'm just like, you know, it is what it is, I guess, because I've made it this far, right? So I'm yeah. still here. 
That's a thing. Yeah, that is so tough. And I know for me, my latest concussion happened. It'll be three years this November. And uh, my fifth one took me a year to recover from. And so with the sixth one, I was like, okay, I know it'll probably take me maybe a little bit more than a year. And there's all these other symptoms that I'm experiencing now that I didn't experience in the last one. So, like, I guess it's maybe a little bit worse, but we'll see. And now it's like I still feel like some days – well most days a truck like just hits me every day and I'm like how do I feel this rough and it's been this long which again can be really hard when you try to describe that to either like co-workers or friends and family and they're like but didn't you hit your head like three years ago or a year and a half ago like that didn't happen recently so what do you mean you're still dealing with this do you find that that impacts you at all with with people not understanding that you're still recovering? Uh, yeah. Um, at about, I would say about four months in was when I kind of hit like the hardest point of like, okay, no one understands. People have just stopped caring about me at this point kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was hard because, you know, I live with my boyfriend and even I felt like he didn't understand. And, you know, I was at home just laying in bed. And even when I would get home from work, I just would get into bed because that's like, that was my safe place. You know, it still is like my safe place. It's where I can just fully relax. Like I don't feel anxious. Um, As my psychologist says, the hungry bear was not trying to get me at that point. So I was able to relax. Um, And, but it was hard. Like even our relationship, it strained it huge because I think he really thought I had depression which of course is a big symptom of the concussion, but he didn't understand what was causing that. Um, And, you know, we're young. He always, it was the summer. He wanted to go out and party and be with friends. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't do that. And, you know, and then you feel, you see all your friends having fun and stuff. And then the invites stop coming, you know, and people stop inviting you to do things. And, I did get to a point where things were very, very dark. And then I just kind of, you know, it took me a long, long time, but I kind of just found ways to do little things to show myself that I love myself because I'm like, (laughs) I'm not getting it from the people the way I want it right now. So I'm like, how can I do this for myself? Which I mean, on some days is extremely hard because there's nothing in there. (laughs) So I feel that that's extremely hard especially when you say the point where it's like people then just stop inviting you or stop thinking of you because you know you have to either turn down invitations and you're either not up for it physically or mentally like the depression part of post-concussion syndrome really takes that toll where you just feel so defeated that you can't do anything so maybe if your head feels a little bit better that day you just don't feel like you're in the right mind space to actually go out and be with people. I had a really hard time that when I, cause I was diagnosed with this concussion officially with severe depression and severe anxiety, which I never thought would happen to me before until this one. And the anxiety portion really comes to play when it's revolving around other people, because I felt like at one point 
oh, I was saying no to my friends too much. And then the voice in my head's like, they hate you now. They don't want to be friends with you anymore. They don't care about you. And even if you go, you're not going to be quite yourself or you're going to have to push yourself too hard that you're going to feel that for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Now, every time I do a social plan where I try to be like, I'm here and I love you guys, my body has that toll for like at least a week. It, yeah. It that recovery aspect. So it's really hard. And that's another reason why I decided to do this because not everybody, unless you go through a concussion, will understand like, oh, that's what they go through. Oh, I didn't realize how rough it could be in so many different aspects. So I'm glad that that we can share this today. Yeah, I'm really glad too. And I, you know, there was even times, you know, when you say you go and like, I have had a couple times, I've got, haven't done very many outings with a lot of friends, but there's been a few times where I'm like, okay, I'm going, I'm pushing myself. And I go and you know what, I actually have a pretty good time. But like you said, you pay for it for the next how many days. And I started to find that as I was, you know, not listening to myself, but I'm like, okay, I don't want them to forget about me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go. And then you're greeted by like the worst panic attack the next morning. So it's like, why? It's not worth it. You know, it comes to a point that it is just not worth it anymore to you got to listen to yourself. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why a part of me actually liked COVID. Of course, only the one positive side, because I'm like, no one can see each other. This is great because I'm not only missing out, but all my friends are missing out. So now I don't feel guilty. And then it was like, oh, we can all just gather on Zoom and I can talk to them on Zoom for like an hour or just like peek into a Zoom party and then be out of there and go right back to my bed. Sure. So again, COVID is awful, but the only positive that I have found and Obviously, things are are getting worse again, and restrictions will go up again. And part of me is like, okay, I feel like I've had enough social distance plans for the past couple months. I am ready for everyone to go huddle up and be safe again. And uh, my anxiety and my head appreciate that. (laughs) I feel that so much. Like it took off the expectation of like being somewhere because you knew that no one else was going anywhere. So you could do what you wanted to do. It was great. (laughs) It's made me be like, okay, you know what? Now I see what and how I feel without even doing too much and taking away some of those stresses because of COVID. And I'm still feeling this way or I'm still getting migraines on a weekly basis. So I need to focus on myself and treatment and have myself as the main priority because it's hard to sometimes notice that when you're too busy because you push so much mm-hmm. and then you have big crashes, which I've had before. And when you kind of pace yourself more, you see the problem, you see your triggers and you're more self-aware of that. Right. So that's a really important thing. Now, one other thing I'd love to talk about is the whole month of September, I believe, was National Suicide Prevention. And I noticed that both myself and Taylor uh, shared our stories with 
those dark thoughts that can come with post-concussion syndrome. And it is a very brave thing to do. I never thought in a million years I would ever share that. I kept it a secret from so many people. And then when I saw that you yourself, Taylor, posted about going through something very similar, I thought, oh my gosh, yes, power to your girl. We're in the boat here. So how, what made you inspired to, to share your story? Um, so it was weird. I actually shared it a day late because I had full intent on not. Um, mm-hmm. I always, and I, you know, when people do share those stories, I always listen. I always take the time to read and I'm inspired by the people that are strong to share that story. And I just kind of got thinking, I was like, you know what? I just, I'm just going to do it. And I had the biggest anxiety attack after I posted it. I called my mom and she's like, just delete it then. If it's bothering you that much, just get rid of it. (laughs) And then I'm like, but I feel like it's good. I'm like, can you just read it? And my mom, she started reading it and she started crying and she's like, no, don't take it off. That's good. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you for giving me reassurance because I'm so like that. I'm like completely radical with my posts sometimes. And then I will have anxiety for five hours afterwards and I'm like why am I doing this to myself (laughs) that is so fair yeah I definitely I remember I wrote mine to like one in the morning the night before because it just came to me and I just felt like you know what I'm gonna share this Mm -hmm. and I showed it to my husband Matt after and I was like okay can you read this over I think I'm gonna post it this morning he was like, yeah, this is really good. Like, this is very honest and and raw. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I posted it and I put my phone to the side. I'm like, I'm not even going to look at it. I don't care if nobody liked it. I don't care about that. I'm just so terrified that I actually admitted this to people. And, you know, on social media, there's even people that follow you that you barely even know. And I'm like, or haven't talked to in years. And it could be embarrassing. So I'm just like, uh okay, uh, we'll just, we'll just try this out. And I haven't even gone through comments that people posted on it. Me neither. I couldn't get that. I couldn't, I couldn't do it either. I feel that. Yeah, (laughs) that's the thing. But it's, it's so important to be said because especially with depression and with suicidal thoughts, for me growing up, I remember when I found out that Robin Williams um, somebody that as a kid, I loved all of his movies and he just seemed like such a happy go lucky guy and that he was suffering from that. And I just thought to myself, but he's so happy. Like he's so like fun and, and bubbly and, and outgoing. And I'm like, I don't get it. And then again, I never faced these kinds of emotions or thoughts until this post concussion recovery round where you just miss your old life and how you're able to do things so easily and how your life is just incredibly different and the pain that can be ongoing every day just pours over you. And that's when I got it. And I thought, you know what? There are people out there that I'm sure would love to hear these stories of some people that you would never expect. I like to identify myself as a very outgoing and bubbly person, and that's what people know me for. So if I didn't post that, I wouldn't see anybody just assuming that, oh, wow, that's going on in her life. 
but you then have to consider the other people that are out struggling, whether they're introverts or extroverts, whatever they, they may come off as that, you know, that could be helpful. So I think it's, I think it's really great that you also shared that as well. It's very powerful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely not easy. Like, like same as you, I feel like, you know, in my friend group, my friends see me as the happy, nice friend and, you know, and I never, you know, I'm more of the friend that people come to for advice to cry to. Like I'm never the one crying to my friends. Um, And that's what they say, you know, check on your strong friends because they're, they're, they can struggle too. (laughs) We all have a shoulder to cry on. Yes. Yeah. I remember I was just like, I don't want to come off as weak or, you know, too vulnerable or coming up with excuses. And I just thought, I don't want people to worry about me also. I don't want people to look at me Mm -hmm. differently. And I was terrified of that when I posted it. I was like, are people going to mention it? And it's okay if they mention it because I'm obviously comfortable enough to talk about it now. But you could kind of tell some people I ran into they just didn't know what to say. And I'm like, well, I put it out there. You can talk about it. Yeah, I feel like I that's something I always think about, too, with making posts. Like, do people think I'm different now? Or, you know, like, because I never, obviously, we would never share that side of the way we thought because we didn't really have those feelings before this happened to us, right? And, yeah, it's, uh, I kind of get social anxiety even a little bit that's on top of my mind now and I see people too I'm like oh but you saw that post that I put out and now you think this way about me like do you view me differently I am still same person I am just suffering a lot but I am the same (laughs) yeah it's really tough uh what have you found that has helped you the most so Initially, what helped me, um, so I, you know, end of August, beginning of September last year was when I felt my absolute darkest. Um, and I remember, as I mentioned with my, me and my boyfriend, we struggled and, um, he would stay after work sometimes and have beers with the guys. And I'm like, but no, I'm at home struggling. I need you to be here so that I can feel a little bit different. Like I was kind of putting like my happiness into him coming home or him being with me to like, you know, get out of my head and stop thinking that something in my head was going to explode and all these things. Like, um, And I remember one day it got really, really bad. And he, I got to the point where I was angry and then he's like, well, I'm just having a quick beer with the guys. I'll be back. And in my mind, I was like, that that's not okay. And I didn't know what to do with myself because I was already at the point where I had, you know, I had gone through these thoughts. I even told my mom that, you know, I wanted to be, I just wanted to be dead. Like that was in my mind. I didn't know how I would do it. I didn't think I could ever really go through with it, but I just wanted to be, you know, done with everything. And that was a point where it was like aggravation kind of like the anger of feeling that way for so long was like okay I need to do something and I actually got out of bed I got dressed and I went to Dollarama and I bought a journal and that has been the first step of me trying to get a hold of what's going on Um, and I remember and I just drove somewhere random and just parked and I wrote everything 
that every negative thought that I had told myself, like I wrote that, you know, no one wants to see me, no one could care if I was around, like everything, the story that I had been repeating in my mind for the last four months, I just was like, get it out, girl, you know, write it down. <laughs> um, so I, I did that. And I wrote for like an hour, like, I still have it in my journal. And wow. you know what, it was weird after I wrote it, I reread what I wrote. And I had like such a breakdown because I was like, half of these things that I'm telling myself are not true. Like I'm, you know, replaying this horrible story in my mind and I've added my own bad parts to make it even worse Mm -hmm. without even realizing it. Um, Just from like wanting to find happiness in something. And uh, I remember when I, that was kind of the game changer when I reread what I wrote. I was like, okay, you know what, this isn't all true. And maybe I should start looking for something a bit brighter in myself rather than friends or boyfriend or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was step one. And I obviously, like, there was weeks after where I didn't write, but then I would kept coming back to it and I would, you know, find it. And then I found myself kind of downloading like self-help podcasts and just little things like it kind of got the ball rolling that I, you know, wanted to, I wanted to feel something other than thinking that I wanted to die or that I was going to die anyways, because my head was going to, I don't know. Right. The whole time I like, this whole time I always thought like, oh, they missed something, you know, they missed something. Why do I feel so much pain? I'm sure you can relate. Like I told myself every day, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to die. Someone's going to die, you know, like, um, so yeah, writing it out, I would say that was number one for me. That's amazing. That's, that's a really good tip because writing it out is very therapeutic because then instead of having those thoughts just race around in your mind all the time, you see them more when you write it down and be like, I can't believe this is what I'm thinking of myself and that this is where I'm at. I think that's so important. And that is just so amazing. I, I, I read, I believe on your website, that blurb of that, that story you you just talked about. And I, I just thought it was so powerful. And I'm like, this is just, this is such a good story to say that, you know, you took that time for yourself and you didn't let that, tear you down completely and of course it'll be natural for those negative thoughts to always come back with post-concussion syndrome it is you have to be prepared for it Mm -hmm. but that that's really amazing that you're like okay I'm gonna focus on me yeah that was the game changer because I think with you know with a concussion when you're constantly waiting to get better you're waiting for the doctors to give you an answer or you're waiting for you know something in physio to help you or you're waiting for you know, someone to be nice to you and you feel good for the day. And that's what I found. Like I was constantly waiting and I was like, I just have to figure out a way to kind of do it on my own. Um, And I mean, I didn't do it on my own. I ended up, you know, after I, after September, things started, you know, once I kind of declared to myself that, okay, I want help. I want things different. Things kind of started to change. I did start seeing a psychotherapist. I'm still seeing her a year later. She's amazing. She is like my, she is amazing. Like she's, um, so, you know, things, once I kind of declared, like, I don't want things to be this bad. I feel like things kind of started. I still have days, lots of days that are quite bad, but, um, 
I know I have the choice to kind of do something if I want to, right? To yeah. help make it a, a bit better in some way. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That is so awesome. Thank you. <laughs> One note in that that I giggled about too is when you're like, when there's all this pain and all this going on, you just think like something must be wrong. There's something they missed that. I joke all the time that the two areas I get the most pain, I call them my tumors. And I know that would terrify someone or make them be like, what, what is this girl talking about? But casually around my home, I'll be like, to Matt, I'll be like, oh, my tumor's really acting up. Or could you like rub right there? Oh, my tumor. And he just knows exactly what I'm talking about. And days I'll just sit there and be like, definitely have a tumor maybe yeah. who knows like and I know I don't but you're just so convinced that it's like this is so terrible this can't be a normal like oh you hit your head and now you're dealing with this like there has to be something wrong and then I yeah. I'll die soon I only have a couple months to live like those thoughts are very normal to go through your head so it's it's also very comforting to hear that you've had <laughs> yes honestly it's like I'm horrible that you've had to go through it but hearing that people think this too is like yeah. take so much weight off your shoulders because that's one of the things and I think in a concussion that is so hard is that you feel so alone and that no one understands mm-hmm Um, which is why I really want to thank you for doing this, Rachel, because I like I I've tried to search up things, you know, about concussions, and I'm sure you have it's very sparse what is out there. Um, And hearing from people's personal, you know, situations, like it's really, it's so nice to relate when you go through something. And, you know, something that makes it harder is thinking that you're alone in it. But when you're not like, that makes such a difference. So thank you. <laughs> you. I'm so glad. This is so nice to hear because that is the whole purpose of why I'm doing this. Cause I've been I got my first concussion, I think, when I was 14. And like when you Google stuff, it just pops up like, what is a concussion? And more research, of course. And over the past 10 years, there there's better research and there's more about it, but There's nothing to have on a more personal level versus just this is what a scientific definition of a concussion is. I would like more. So that's why I'm excited for more more things to come that I have planned, like even blogs that are like post-concussion safe date night ideas. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Everything. So... Yeah, I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I would love to have you on again sometime because this was this was really great to do. So thank you, Taylor, very much for joining us. And I'll wrap it up by saying, remember to rest that head of yours, everyone. <laughs>